Welcome to the Hunt, Shoot, Live podcast. My name is Zach Sarver, and with me, as always, is Dwayne Sturgill. So in today's episode, we're going to dig a little deeper on the topic of expensive guns versus a, a cheaper gun. You know, we've, we've talked about it a little bit in, in other podcasts, and we've talked about Dwayne's Ruger Precision Rifle versus his totally custom gun that's, I'm sure, super awesome. So let's dig into these topics a little bit, see if you know, what, what the real difference is here, you know, is, is there a difference between certain components? You know, can you skimp a little bit, save a little bit of money? We know we already have to save money as, as hunters, you know, everything's expensive, but you know, Dwayne, buy once, cry once, right? Yeah, yeah I, I've been anxious to talk about this because this gives us now, I guess some of the times we've talked about this tip, this stuff before, I didn't really have all of the hard data that I've got now. So I'm anxious to, uh, kind of share some of the results and plan on doing a, a video with some of these comparisons here shortly, but uh, we'll give a little bit of that away tonight in this conversation probably. Yeah, that's right. So I'll just kick us off with just a basic question. So whenever you're looking at, you know, a cheaper gun versus a more expensive gun, you know, what's the kind of thing that, that you might be seeing, you know, what kind of trade-offs might you see? Okay. So to, to keep from covering anything, that that we've covered before I, I guess i'll just give a throwback to if you're worried just about weapon selection especially on the pistol side we've got a good podcast that you can that you can go back to and and check that out um do you remember what that one was titled zach about something about buying handguns or, or, or something like that pistol selection i think that would probably be a good one to go back to it was episode 11 episode 11 is the one you want to go back and check out Okay, so yeah, on on the pistol side, uh, just to keep from covering some of that stuff again, you know, go go reference that one. I feel like we covered that pretty comprehensively there. Um, on the rifle side, I believe we touched just a little bit on this. Definitely in the cheap versus expensive optics, I believe we got into a little bit of the component kind of stuff. But um, to to answer that question now with some of what I had seen literally in the field with. And I get, and I'll cover this from a long range perspective, a long range shooting perspective, as opposed to just a general hunting type rig. Because uh, again, I think in some of our previous episodes, uh, maybe the cheap versus expensive optics, when I talked a little bit about the upgrades that you get in some of the components, I know we've talked about triggers and things like that, how that makes such a difference and how that's more significant at long range. But I guess tonight I can I can give some some pretty good hard data from the field in regard to the difference in your expenditure and how that affects your ability to shoot long range. And in long range, I'm, I mean, in, you know, 700 plus yards. Uh, so to answer your, com your question about components in that regard, I think that is the biggest difference that I saw that we've seen um, from a standard factory rifle that somebody brought over that they were trying to shoot that was just a just a, a, a Remington 700, a great rifle, but just a standard stock Remington 700. Um, you know, I guess you would call it a pencil barrel, a hunting rifle, bolt action. Great rifle, but definitely not necessarily made to be, you know, a long-range tack driver. Probably a seven-pound gun plus the scope. Um, and the scope was, was a, a good little pulled. Uh, scope with a turret on it. Um, you know, I'd say he he had. You know, he he might have a thousand dollars in that whole rig, uh, or, or you know, give or take just a little bit, but definitely a hunting rig. And what we noted with that was, I'm sure the trigger played a little bit into some of his misses, but we definitely quickly saw that his repeat shots were limited because of how quickly his barrel heated up. Mm -hmm. compared to other people who had either full custom or heavy barreled more traditional long range rifles so component wise that was a very evident thing that affected his ability to to shoot long range now i'll say you know i'll really brag on that rig uh you know as far as taking your first three to four shots uh he was doing really well and he was engaging those targets i can't remember um, that was uh, that was the big beautiful man bull who's been on some of our videos uh, on YouTube. That was his rig, and he was making some good impacts. I know at around the 700, 800 yard range, um, 
on some some uh, some definitely one minute size targets. I can't remember if he had some impacts at 900 or not, but I definitely remember that uh, you know even on he would get he would get a couple misses and and it was starting to be all over the place and his barrel would just be smoking hot. So barrel, I think, is a big thing. Uh, I don't think I know that that pencil barrel was very problematic after taking we'll say on the that fourth and the fifth shot things just started going crazy so if you're wanting to shoot long range 600 700 plus yards i think you're really going to want to have something that has a bigger barrel than just that standard factory pencil barrel that hunting type rifle setup yeah we've, we've seen that with my gun too my, my barrel gets pretty hot you know after a few a few shots i mean i'm not sure how much that's contributed in you know, some of the misses I've had just because there was other variables that we were messing with at the same time. But I mean, definitely, I'm sure it's contributed for sure. Yeah. And I I can throw that back to when I first started trying to shoot groundhogs at 400 yards. I I was using a a Browning A-bolt, good rifle, killed a lot of deer with it, killed a lot of groundhogs with it. But when we started shooting a little bit further and uh, especially when you, if you miss and you, you, you know, you try those repeat shots, Instead of getting more dialed in, things start to get a little more wild just because the heat uh, of that barrel, and it absolutely uh, is a game changer in, in a negative way. So I would encourage somebody to consider that. Now, now conversely to that, you guys have also seen, if you've watched any of our videos on YouTube, um, my buddy Simmons, who's got the Savage. I never can remember what model of Savage that is. But it's one of their intended long-range guns that has a massive heavy barrel on it, big old heavy blue steel barrel. Um, definitely not really meant to be a hunting gun, but it, it, I think it still comes in around that. I'd say he's probably, with his gun and, and with the scope, you know, he's probably got $1,500 in it. Yeah. Um, probably 11 or 12 pounds, you know, not not exactly what you really, really want in a hunting setup, but not overly crazy heavy either. I know he takes it and he uses it hunting, but, you know, that thing is a laser. That thing is absolutely a long-range laser, and I think that's just a tribute to, of course, it's got a good trigger in it. It's got uh, a good stock, but most importantly, it's got that big, heavy barrel, and it just doesn't heat up as quickly as, as a small pencil barrel that you'd find in other um, rifles that are going to come in around that $700 range those typical hunting rifles. Yeah. And we, so I'm going to recap one of the points that you mentioned in at least one of the other podcasts, you know, the, these guns and, and same is going to hold true with the optics and the other gear that we use, you know, when it's more mass produced, you know, you, you may have more quality control issues. So, you know, you, you might have a company that honors their warranty and would replace it, but, I mean, how many are you going to have to go through? And I'm not saying that's a universal thing because, I mean, I, I totally have a gun that's just a factory gun, and, and, I mean, I'm very happy with it. You know, never sent my gun back, never had anything done. So it's not universal, but, I mean, I'm I'm not at, like, the low end either. I'm kind of middle ground as far as, you know, my, my weapon's concerned. But, you know, just something to watch out for. You know, there might there might be some quality issues, and, and you've definitely seen that with, with the handguns you've shot in all those videos too, right, Dwayne? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you you mentioned that the that minute guarantee that some of them give. I, I think in regard to that, if you're looking at that from a hunting perspective, your gun might be minute minute of angle capable in those first three to five shots. Mm-hmm. But then if you've got that smaller barrel, I bet you that it after on that sixth and seventh shot at a minimum, that minute is is going to be more like a two minute. Or, or, or more as that barrel heats up. So uh, purpose, what is your intent? You're definitely going to have to consider that. Yeah. If, you re- if, you truly, if you're truly wanting to consistently engage targets past five or 600 yards, then I, I think you're going to have to steer away from, from the, the typical pencil barrel stuff, even if it's, even if it's a good... Um, man i mean even if it's probably a, a nice weatherby or even if it's a kimber or, or an x-bolt you know yours is an x-bolt yep and and you, you we've seen it with it you get some good accuracy out of the first four or five shots and once that barrel's heated up a little bit 
it, it goes downhill. So if you're not worried about more than three or four shots to begin with, you know, you're not worried about more than, than that, then you're going to be all right. But if you're trying to play a little bit more in the long-range game, I think that that pencil barrel is probably what we're, what we're seeing as being the biggest game-changer for negative performance when you're trying to engage targets at long-range. Yeah, for us, luckily, you know, it's not just me shooting. So there's, there's some time in between shots, a lot of times, you know, trying to figure out, you know, did, did we miscalculate something? You know, is, is it, do we need to adjust the wind? And then, you know, we might alternate shots or something. So it gives time for the barrel to cool down and, you know, there's talk time in between too. So, you know, for, for me, I'm not competitive shooting or anything. I, I don't, I don't get to do it a ton anyway, so it's not a big deal for me. But, yeah, if I was absolutely going to try to do some some long-range shooting stuff and actually get serious about it, I, I would definitely get something else too. Um, but, you know, exactly what you said, the goals, setting your, your own goals and your own expectations is what's important. Yeah, and everybody gets tied up on the size of your group. And I think I would encourage you, instead of thinking more about just what the size that your, your group is capable of, consider your intended use so for you 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 want a hunting gun and and i literally mean you zach you know you, yeah. your your objective like you just said you're not going to shoot competitions your objective is literally to have a gun that you're going to use for hunting and that's it and it's a good quality gun and it does definitely shoot a minute or better and mm-hmm. you're not worried about more than just a just a couple shots at one time so it does group good in the shot ranges that you're you know three or four shots five shots and you're good to go but um i think more than your gun's ability to just simply shoot a good group consider how many shots are you going to want to take because that barrel is going to heat up and if you're going to take more than five shots um for instance, if you are shooting with some guys and you're trying to engage multiple targets and you're trying to walk yourself out uh, to, and this is a problem that Bull saw when, when he was trying to shoot. You know, we started it, we started him at the 500 yard target and he walked out to the 700 yard target and went on out from there on out to the, uh, definitely on out to the 900 yard target. But he had to keep taking lots of breaks in between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'd take a couple shots to get dialed in, and he might get a hit, and then he'd have to take a break before he moved on to the next one um, because he, he you know, he might try, or, or he would try to then engage the next one, and it was all over the place because his, his gun was, was heated up. So um, a great hunting rifle, a great long-range hunting rifle, maybe if, if you're going to get it in in a, in a couple shots, but that's all you're going to get. So it groups good, groups really good, but it groups worse when you keep shooting it. So I think from, you know, your, that's when you get up in, like I said, the heavier barreled stuff and the Ruger precision rifles, which are also heavy barreled um, or, or just higher quality. Cause I, I guess I could speak to now we'll have to differentiate a little bit in, in price for the intended use of the gun uh, with the other components, because you can definitely tell a difference. The guys over there that have, I know a couple of them have some six fives in the Ruger Precision Rifle, and it does not have really a, a big, crazy heavy barrel. Um, I, you know, those Ruger Precision Rifles on the six fives definitely not even a big barrel like like Simmons has on his Savage. However, they they continue to hold their group even when the barrel heats up a little bit. So, you know, it's going to have to go there into something that Ruger is doing in the quality control. Um, you know, their actions are definitely not a what you would call a true to action like you would get from a gunsmith, but they're doing something right. Something's lined up better. Something is staying more concentric and in line than it is with the other traditional hunting rifles because, that you know, the, the Ruger Precision Rifle is an example of a rifle that doesn't necessarily, in that caliber, it doesn't have a big, heavy, crazy barrel on it, but it does, it is able to, you know, shoot, you can take it to a competition. That's what Doug Koenig uh, he he uses those. Uh, he uses Ruger precision rifle, a stock Ruger precision rifle, in PRS competition, and and you know he does he dominates. So uh, you know it's a good example of of how you can still get some excellent performance in a quote unquote factory rifle, but you're paying more for that that Ruger precision rifle. Whatever quality wise they're doing, you know it bumps it on up to more the 
for the 6.5, I think it goes in the 1200 1300 range, something like that. So, Dwayne, you, before we get too far off on the barrel stuff, you know, talking about the quality of the barrel, you know, you're saying heavy barrel. So, can can you kind of talk a little bit more about, you know, the differences? Is it is it material difference? Is it just the thickness of the barrel? You know, you've talked about fluting. You know, what what defines a quality barrel? Oh wow, well that's a huge topic in itself. I think just for for what, what we've been talking about, the big difference would be the overall size. Um, you know, your a thicker barrel is going to dissipate the heat just a little bit better so obviously when when metal heats up it starts to change a little bit you know there's expanding and and the the quality arguably too now now i have not and i've seen some videos from some guys online who've taken 400 dollar savage rifles or, or whatever with with small barrels and, and you know they're hitting stuff at a thousand yards but i just wonder how repeatable that is um you know because Obviously, if something is going to have to be super high quality all around, because what happens when that when the metal does start to expand and, and it's heating up, any imperfection that is in that metal is going to be magnified. So you got a you get a small barrel that is not very high quality and and intentionally made very very perfectly or as perfectly as possible. When you get that and it heats up, it, it does better, but it's obviously because there's less change. Even though it's heating, there's less change because there's less imperfection. But if you've got a barrel that's not got the quality control and, and there are more imperfections just due to the processes that it goes through when you make it, when it starts to heat up, obviously those imperfections are magnified and, it, and it's going to shoot worse. So just a regular, when I'm calling it a pencil barrel, you know, that's just your regular factory barrel that you're going to get on, on 95% of the rifles that you get. Now, man, there's there are all kinds of, on the custom side of it, there are all kinds of different contours of barrels. Um, even in the, when you start to look at rifles that are, a lot of them that are, that are more long-range specific have just a little bit heavier of a barrel. And it's, and it's just for that reason. Uh, you know, the, the old Remington 700 Sendero, that's a, those are tack drivers, uh, but you know they've got they've got the heavier barrels, um, and and it's just I think it's for that reason a heavier barrel just handles the heat better. It takes more shots, causes it to heat up, and and because of that you're just getting less of a change in that metal stretching out and expanding. So um, you, you mentioned flutes too. Uh, there's all kinds of different thoughts on flutes, and some people believe in them and adhere to them wholeheartedly and some people don't but the the thought process behind a fluted barrel is that those divots in it and 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 those dips and things whatever however you decide to have your rifle fluted that allows better heat dissipation um so that means your barrel cools down quicker in theory i don't know there's some people that don't that don't believe that fluting makes a big difference um and I don't, I don't want to quote, quote my gunsmith uh, that, that built my rifle 100%, but I'm pretty sure he, he said that flutes are a waste of time. But, you know, that's, that's his opinion, and I'm not sure what the, what the facts are 100% behind that. But the, the thought is that a fluted barrel helps to, to dissipate the heat a little bit more quickly. But they look cool, too. That's they what I was really going to cool. say. I don't, they look, they, a lot of them look really sweet. I remember when you were first kind of dreaming of your components, like a couple years ago even, I mean, you were looking at like some crazy corkscrew looking flutes. I mean, just like wicked looking stuff that, <laughs> you know, probably doesn't matter. Like you said, I mean, you still ended up with a, a sweet looking rig, but yeah, there's, I mean, any kind of design, it, it's, it's almost a design at that point, it, it seems like, but it, it does look pretty sweet. Yeah, it, it does. And I, I was, I was looking at some wild flutes and, and I ended up getting one that has no flute fluting at all. Yeah. But you know, my room 700, um, one of my my seven mag that I use for hunting most of the time, uh, you know, it's a great Remington seven hundred. It's a it, and it and I've engaged targets successfully with it out to six hundred yards, no mm -hmm. problem. But um, I've actually also never shot it probably more than 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 five shots or so just at a time. And and no doubt, even though I've not pushed its limits, um, I have no doubt that that it's probably going to start to go wonky. Uh, after that just because it is a smaller barrel and it's fluted it's pretty it's stainless and it's fluted and it looks great but um 
super small barrel and and it's just going to heat up quicker and when they start to heat things go weird but when you start getting into um, full custom man there's all kinds of different barrel contours that you can get um, I mean the, the opportunities are endless pretty much so I, I mean I, I, it would it's not even worth me really saying yeah. it's, you're, you just get online and look that up and you're just going to find all kinds of different barrel contours from from um, light all the way up to crazy, insane heavy. So this is just me me out of curiosity. So um, as you go up in price, do, do the materials change? Like the, what metals are, or composites are, are in the, the metal itself for the barrel? Does, does that change or is that pretty consistent across the board? Well, you know, obviously you're... I know you said impure, like the, the purity of it might change. I just didn't know if like they actually use different metals. I, that was just me not knowing. Oh, you know, and I, and I couldn't answer that. I, I know, I think a lot of that is probably going to be, I would have to assume the answer is yes, but man, I'm not going to act like I know 100%. Because obviously when you buy a factory rifle, you're, you're getting the whole package. Like you don't get to pick between mm-hmm. different barrel options. You know, you, you're getting whatever that package is. And that's going to be a super high mass produced rifle. So um, I'm sure that you know you buy that $400 Savage that they're selling, however many millions of uh, you know over the course of a couple of years. I'm sure that the quality of that metal for them to sell it at that price is not going to be the same. It's not going to be as good as the other rifles you know, that are a little higher up. Um, and that just goes for all of the components that are put into that. But just to be able to say exactly what metals and stuff, I, I don't know. Now, if you're going full custom, you can definitely, you know, all of those, it's going to spell it out for you, what kind of steel they use. And um, all of those prices are pretty consistent, um, depending on the, the full weight. Obviously, the heavier you, heavier you get, you're adding just a little bit more price to it just because there's more metal there. But Seems like my custom barrel, mine's a 26 inch. My full custom is a 26 inch Bartline barrel in the M24 contour, which is is heavy. I think my barrel was maybe about 450 dollars just just for the barrel itself. So there's a good example. You know, that's just my barrel, a high quality Bartline barrel in an M24 contour by itself was 450 dollars. And you know, you can go buy a, a whole hunting rig that at walmart right so you know i'm sure the quality there is just going to be substantially higher than whatever quality of the components that they're putting in those lesser expensive rifles so staying on the barrel a little bit in our notes you've got mentioned free floated barrel so um, before you just talk about you know why you want to stay free floated can you just talk about you know what other options you might see at the different price ranges oh yeah well anybody is going to want their barrel to be well, I won't say anybody. There's always somebody out there who has some kind of different opinion. But the very, very popular uh, opinion, uh, 99% of, of what you read and what you see, you're going to want your barrel to be free-floated. And re- the reason for that is, is just the consistency of, of the harmonics. You don't want your barrel banging against your stock because that obviously is going to interrupt whatever harmonics are going on with, with that barrel. So in, even your hunting rig... Yeah, a Remington 700, for instance, you know, when you buy it, you're going to notice that it's free-floated, which means that it, from from the end of the, where the barrel meets where the stock is at the fore end, all the way back to where your lug connects it, and, and right there where that recoil lug is uh, on, on the barrel that meets the stock, there's not going to be any contact in front of that out to the fore end. And you don't want contact just for that reason. Your barrel, it needs to be able to, to vibrate and do its thing without being without hitting something else. And I know you can you can see changes in accuracy if over time your stock warps a little bit and your barrel starts to ride against your stock. You'll see changes in accuracy just because you're getting a change in that barrel. Uh, literally, the action, the performance of the barrel, what the barrel's doing when you pull that trigger um, because if it was once free floating and vibrating freely, and now all of a sudden it's banging against your stock, you're changing something about the the performance of how that's going out. And 
you know, there's a lot of information out there on, on harmonics and finding nodes and, and, and those kind of things. Uh, you, you, people sell those dampeners to try to decrease the vibrations in the barrel. So, you know, it's a, that's a big thing that affects your accuracy. And so any time you've got your barrel banging against your stock, you're going to get inconsistency. So when you talk about free-floating, that's why you want your barrel free-floated. You do not want it banging against your stock. Now, there's different types of free-floating that you can get. Um, you know, you can you can just, you know, a, a standard Remington 700 is just going to be probably screwed on to the stock, and 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 it might have, um, a, it, well, most of those are not even going to have, like, an aluminum bedding block. It's just going to be the, it's screwed to the wood or to the, to the composite of the stock, and, and that's what it is. And those over time probably are going to warp a little bit, and you are at some point probably going to have that barrel coming in contact with the stock. Sometimes an upgrade that people do at some point is they end up having uh, like an epoxy resin-type bedding done. Uh, there's videos where you can do it yourself, uh, or you can pay a gunsmith to do it. And what that does is it, 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 it just... It restores that integrity and, and ensures that even if there was some kind of warping that started, you know, you stand the inside of your forend down again and embed it, and then that'll cause consistency to be possible when you tighten your lugs down. It gets a good solid bed. Uh, sometimes I know I've got an aftermarket stock that has aluminum bed bedding blocks right there where you screw your lug in. Uh, to to screw your gun your barrel onto your stock, and and again, it just keeps. Um, that allows you to, with that, I can always say, okay, I'm cranking those on at 65 inch pounds or whatever it might be, uh, and I'm probably close in there, 50 inch pounds, 65 inch pounds, you're cranking that down, and it's not going to ever give. It's not like you're cranking against only wood or only against the composite material. You're cranking against that resin or you're cranking against that aluminum bedding block and it's never going to give. It's always going to return it to the same point. So you're you're going to guarantee that consistency in pressure and you're going to guarantee that it's that it's not going to start to knock against your stock. So you might have to correct me here. So looking at my gun, um, the, the action's glass bedded but I'm pretty sure that the barrel's free-floated. Does that sound right to you? Absolutely. So the barrel is definitely free-floated uh, because, again, that's going to come that should come standard on any hunting rifle. If it's, if it's not, you probably want to get that fixed. And yours is glass-bedded, which means they've used some kind of epoxy, some kind of type of resin to put in there where that lug attaches, and it keeps it from ever crushing or changing right there at that point. So you can always consistently go back with a torque wrench on yours, torque it down to that same spec that you did initially, and you're going to be able to have confidence that that, that setting is going to change, or is not going to change. Whereas if it was just wood and it hadn't been bedded, or if it was just composite and it's not bedded, at some point that composite is going to start to warp. At some point the wood is going to start to compress a little bit. But that glass bedding allows it to always have a, a, a the same point that it's going to return back to. It's not going to warp. It's not going to change. Or at least it would take forever, probably, for that to. Or you would have to really, really torque it down way past the spec to, to crush it. So is there an upgrade from glass bedding? Like if you were doing a custom gun, is there something, you know, uh, the next step up? Or I is think that pretty standard? would have different on that. I, I think that, um, like in my chassis, my chassis is... You know, it's 100% aluminum all the way through. So it's it's just, it has its own built-in, I guess you would call it an aluminum bedding block or it's solid aluminum right there where it mounts. And it's, of course, free-floated all the way down to the end. So I don't have to worry about having some kind of a of epoxy bedding or something put in. Um, in my, in a, I have a aftermarket stock that I had bought, a Bell & Carlson stock, and it has an aluminum bedding block in it. So it has a... A composite type stock, but the right there at the the where the lug attaches the barrel to your to your stock, it has a block of aluminum right there that 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 lug goes through. Like I said, that keeps it from it's just going to keep it from crushing and always going to allow you to return that to the same tension without changing um, the the specs on how it's free floated. 
So the glass bedding, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, typically, that's going to be done on just a standard composite stock or a standard wood stock that somebody has upgraded. Or yours came from the factory that way. You know, yours, right. they just chose to not. And, and there's probably people out there that would argue, some people would argue more for, for an aluminum bedding block over the glass bedding. But I've not seen a negative for either. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with, glass, with having your rifle glass bedded. Okay. Thinking about myself, you know, I'm not haven't done tons of long range, but one of the limiting points for me before I hit just my own personal limiting, just my own ability on my weapon was the trigger. So that's the only thing I've changed in my gun, and even just for me, that was a major difference. So the 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 out of the factory trigger on my X bolt was super heavy, was causing me all kinds of issues, and switched to one brand. I should throw shade. I don't. I, don't, I guess I'll, I will refrain from throwing shade on the first trigger I try, but it was garbage to the point that I thought I was going to end up shooting Dwayne. <laughs> it was misfiring and really, really messed with yeah. me. So yeah, you know, we, we have misfire. Man, we just Same took that day. out. Like, I mean, I, it's like you know what? I will just put my original one back in, and that's what we did. We put my original one back in. I, I really just didn't want to shoot you. I, I like you a whole lot. I didn't want didn't want to accidentally shoot you. That was yeah. That was real scary. Total side side story but yeah we, we were we were doing some some steel shooting and you know i was on target I, it, the, the trigger felt super awesome like the weight was good and as soon as i flipped the safety off it fired scared the piss out of me i was like okay i mean it was an, it was a good shot like i totally hit the target but i mean i just i couldn't i couldn't do it again I mean, we'd already adjusted a few times and thought we had it fixed and it just was not worth it, it scared me half to death but did finally get a different one, so waited a year, and a different company put out um, a trigger, and it's much better. So that one's that one's doing pretty good. Well, and for the record, too, and I agree, we won't throw shade by mentioning the, the name of that company, but you, you had emailed them, and their response was basically just to keep trying the same thing that we'd been trying, was it not? Yeah, yeah, they, they gave instructions, but, I mean, it was not like, super confident it wasn't like if you fix if you do this you'll be set it was like yeah just keep adjusting that that sear adjustment screw and you should be fine you, you'll get it i mean it, it just did not inspire any confidence in me i'm sure it's fine i'm sure there's people using that trigger at, at that point that was the only aftermarket x-bolt trigger so i know you, you love jewel and timney and it was not either one of those so it was another brand um just did not have any luck with them but but yeah, that was super scary. But, I, you know, when you're looking at these guns, whether that's a hunting gun or, or up, you know, what what kind of differences are, are you seeing in the trigger? I mean, I, I've, I've touched your tri- all of your triggers at this point, and they're all pretty much featherweight, really nice. I think it's worth saying that there are absolutely people who have no problem with a heavy trigger, with a four or five pound trigger. That's just what they use. And, you know, I mean, crap, dude, I, you, you could throw back to the accounts back in the Civil War of people yeah. killing killing <laughs> enemy soldiers at a thousand yards with, with those rifles, black powder rigs, and, and you know the triggers in those were, were not good and, and the components were not anything like we have today. So you, you absolutely don't have to have a fantastic light, trigger um I, I don't think that is as important as that barrel quality um and having your barrel free floated but we have seen time and time again how easy of an upgrade that is that automatically improves your performance it it takes a whole lot of the concentration aspect out it makes that side of the game a little bit easier on you you're not focusing on trigger pull um you're not, you know, we saw with you, it took care of your pull almost immediately when you've got that trigger that you got now. Oh, yeah. Um, there just wasn't a problem with the pull anymore. Now, you could have practiced and worked through that, I have no doubt. Um, but, my gosh, you know, if you've got the, if you have, and this goes back to what you're capable of purchasing, if, if you have the financial capability to be able to upgrade your trigger then I would encourage you to do that. Why not do that? Because it's going to make it a little bit more enjoyable. You're probably going to have to shoot a little bit less to learn the curve there. And that's, uh, it's worth it to me. So, you know, I guess in, in the aspect of determining your weapon, 
some of those really, really inexpensive ones that you're going to go to Walmart and buy probably don't have the option to replace a trigger in them. You know, just the trigger you got is the trigger you got. I know any Remington 700, you're going to be able to get a drop-in trigger for that. But I know, like, my A-bolt, for instance, and, and it may be different now in some of the newer A-bolts, I'm not sure, but, you know, the A-bolt is a step down from the X-bolt. My A-bolt, when I got it, uh, which, it, you know, it's 15 years old at this point, but there, there was nothing that you could do other than get a replacement spring. Now, coincidentally, I was able to do a little bit of work on my spring, and that A-bolt has a pretty sweet trigger in it now. Unfortunately, it has a little pen- pencil barrel on it. You can't shoot it more than three or four times and before it starts to go wonky. So I think all that stuff plays together. Uh, if, if you don't care and if that's not a problem and you're not going to shoot more than three or four times and it truly is just a hunting rig that you're only going to use out three or 400 yards, then, man, you're probably fine. But if you're not that guy and you do want to do more of that long-range stuff, even if it's, the, even if it's only long-range hunting, then I, I might not worry as much about the barrel, the pencil barrel thing heating up, but, but that trigger is very important to me. So I think yeah, that you're going to want to consider that. And in, that's in why I upgraded mine too. You know, I, I'm not going to take more than a handful of shots, especially not, you know, at an animal. I, I definitely hope to get out on the first and if not the second, but you know, going out West, you know, I, I don't, I, I was good. you know, and the, the X bolt trigger that came with it, I killed all kinds of stuff in Virginia, had no trouble. It was fine. You know, we compensated for the pull that I was doing, and it was okay. But, you know, trying to get out past 600 yards was impossible. You know, by the time we're, we're getting there and we're messing with it, the barrel's so hot that it's not shooting anyway. So, I mean, it was just it was really difficult for me to, to try to get there and get comfortable with it. So we, we did swap the trigger, and I'm hoping that that'll lead to some success and maybe some greater confidence in, in what I take, you know, when we go out to Idaho this year, maybe if I get a shot that's at 600 yards on, on a mule deer, hopefully, you know, I won't be worried about pulling as much just because of that trigger upgrade. Well, and you shouldn't, because again, we quickly saw that remedied. We, well, we had to readjust your scope a little bit. More than a little bit. <laughs> it was, it was like four MOA different or something. I mean, it was like wild. It was a huge difference. Right. Yeah. At, at like, and and of course that was evident at like 600 yards. Um, it's not going to be, but it, that wasn't as evident and as much of a problem real close. So yeah, if if you're worried about 600 yards, then uh, and, and further, then the trigger's worth it to me. I think it makes a huge difference, and and you're a good example of that person that doesn't shoot a tremendous amount throughout the year. You you just want to get tuned up to be able to to do some good. Um, during hunting season at five and six hundred yards, you know you're you you don't want to have to relearn that trigger every time. And having a nice, crisp, light pulled trigger is d- going to do nothing but help you. So, is there anything else about triggers as you're going up in price? You know, other than you know the adjustability or you know just like the breaking of it, the crispness. I mean, is there anything else that that you see whenever you start getting these triggers? I mean, or even if in the aftermarket triggers for for like the Remingtons where there's just lots of different options as you're getting a more expensive more and more expensive you know are you seeing any kinds of differences between those well just to keep from from ticking people off because I know even on some of my videos on some of the comments that people have made um, you know everybody has a different opinion and everybody's uh, a fan of something different and that's okay so let me not let me not throw shade let me just tell you my opinion from the different triggers that I personally have purchased. Um, a standard Timney. A standard Timney uh, for like a Remington 700, and I can't remember their model number. Maybe it's like a 510 or something like that. That is going to get you down, I think, maybe in that pound and a half to two pounds of trigger pull. Um, it's a good trigger. It, it feels good, and it was a great upgrade, in my opinion. Um However, that was the first one that I ever purchased for any of my guns. Um, I have since purchased cat, the, cat, the Timney Calvin Elite triggers, which are a little bit more expensive. And I have also since purchased Jewel and Trigger Tech. And uh, in both of those lines, I also got their, their better, their higher quality um, 
a little bit higher priced. And I, I definitely feel like for any of those brands, whether you upgrade, maybe you want a Timney, that's cool. That Calvin Elite is a significant upgrade from that regular version. The Because uh, the adjustability is more, um, you, you're able to, to get a less poundage on that. I think I've got my Calvin Elite set. It's either set at a pound or a pound and a half. Um, you know, there's just, and of course you can, you can adjust your, your over travel and all that with, with all of those, even that, that stock tending. But I, I think it's just the, I, you, you, you really truly can just feel the difference. It just feels more crisp. I, I like that pound to pound and a half setting. And, um, I, I feel the difference there and I, and I like that. So I want mine to be able to go down to that. Um, the jewel to me was better than the, even the Calvin Elite, that's just my opinion. Uh, I feel like it just breaks so much cleaner. Um, but I find it maybe to be a little mushy. And, and this is a lot of opinion, okay? Everybody's going to have different opinions, but that's mine. My my preference now, I had a Trigger Tech Diamond put in my full custom 6.5 that I built. And I cannot say a negative about that trigger. I've got it set at a pound. It doesn't move until it breaks. And, and, it, and it really doesn't even travel after it breaks. And there's like no reset. It, everything is perfect about that. So if I bought other triggers in the future, there is no doubt that I would just go ahead and buy the Trigger Tech Diamond and, and put those in my guns. But like I said, I wouldn't be one bit afraid of I uh, wouldn't be afraid of any of those, even just the standard Timney, but uh, the Jewel was good. The Calvin Elite Timney was good. Those would be my, my top three, and and with the Trigger Tech Diamond being, in my opinion, just the, the absolute best. Yeah, and I won't, I won't mention the brand here, but we were when we were talking about triggers a while back, um, you know, we were just talking about the mine that we were afraid was going to shoot you to death. And then we were talking about one of the ones that you had done and you were, you were trying to just mess with it. Just, just tweak a little bit. And it drove you absolutely insane, you know, getting the, the right balance of everything so that, you know, you could put everything back together and it would still work correctly. You know, I, I'm going to also assume that that was one of the, the cheaper ones. Is, is that a correct assumption? Yeah. The, that was the entry level Timney. Um, I keep I keep thinking it's the five ten maybe, and I may be saying that wrong. But um, yeah, it, it it I think where the the Calvin Elite and the Jewel and the Trigger Tech went out also above just that entry level Timney is that I dropped those three triggers in my guns and I didn't have to do anything. I just dropped them in and they were fantastic. But you put that 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 entry level chimney in there and there's some adjustment that needs to be done to get it right and man i had a terrible time with that and and i even had a you know i had a terrible time with yours when you got it and <laughs> yeah, uh, you did. i, I you, you can save yourself some some trouble uh getting those a little bit better even if you want to stick with timney like i said the calvin elite is insane it's insane it is a fantastic trigger so why not pay 50 or 60 bucks whatever more and get a, t- a trigger that you're going to just be able to drop right in there, and it's going to be golden right off the bat. Yeah, your your new trigger really is just absolutely awesome. It really is. Yeah, yeah, I like it, and and uh, the jewel's good, man. Those are good, yeah. but I I I think uh, you know it just keeps going back to what what you're ultimately going to want to do, and I want I want to caution the person that if you think in the back of your mind. Well, I really do want to engage targets at a thousand yards. I really want to. I want to be able to shoot that. Well, if you know that right from the beginning, then save yourself a ton of heartache. And um, yeah, buy once, cry once. Um, you're going to regret it if you don't. You're going to end up spending more money in the long run because the quality trigger does make a difference, and the quality barrel does make a difference. The the, the heavy barrel does make a difference. There's a lot of that is just going to save you tons of of frustration if you'll just go ahead and commit to that and and i think that's a good time zach maybe to tie it back in i wanted to share a little bit of of information from 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 uh testing that the guys at precision rifle blog did and it was using brian litz's um applied ballistic software and what they were doing 
they 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 were testing group size. How does your group size affect your long range accuracy? So let me let me tie all this in. Let me share their information that they got from their testing, and and then we'll kind of tie that into what we've been talking about. So what they did, they used Brian Litz's applied ballistic software, and they ran a test shooting a ten inch circle at 700 yards, and they were using a Creedmoor for their testing. And they tested their accuracy percentage based on the rifle's capability for group size. So how much did group size affect their ability to engage a 10-inch circle at 700 yards? And the results are pretty interesting. What they found, and you can you can reference this if you want to go to Precision Rifle blog, uh, or well, actually, probably the best way to find it is just type in um, Brian Litt's article about group size. I think that's how I found it several times. I've read this article multiple times at this point, but but you find their test on precisionrifleblog.com. But what they were wanting to know is how big of a difference did it make in engaging a target at 700 yards, a 10-inch circle at 700 yards, with a rifle that had that shot one minute of angle versus a rifle that shot half minute versus a rifle that shot 0.3 minutes and 0.1 minutes. So they tested the full gambit. And obviously, a 0.1 minute rifle is a rarity. Like, that's that's the dudes that are shooting 1,000-yard bench rest, like super, super true believer kind of dudes. They really have some, some crazy shooting stuff. But here's their results. Very interesting. So 10-inch circle, 700 yards, one minute. If, you're, if that rifle was capable of shooting a one-minute group, they had a 70% chance. Now, this is taking, this takes wind and everything out, okay? Shooter errors out, wind is out. The only, the only variable is that rifle, rifle is capable of one minute of angle at all yardages, and they're running this test at 700 yards. So a one-minute rifle had a 70% chance of hitting that 10-inch circle at 70 yards. Now, when they ran the test with a half-minute rifle, you're likelihood of hitting that target with no other outside influences only increased by 8%. You went from 70% chance of engaging the target with a one-minute rifle to a 78% chance of engaging it with a half-minute rifle. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty wild. I I would have expected a half-minute rifle to do way better than that, but there was an 8% difference. Now, here's where it gets really crazy. The rifle that was capable of 0.3-minute accuracy only had an 80% engagement at 700 yards. So there was only a 10% increase in your rifle's ability to hit the target at 700 yards when you increased from a one-minute rifle all the way down to a rifle that was capable of 0.3 minutes. 10% increase. That's not much. And then when they tested the 0.1-minute rifle, which is just insane... That's basically if you're shooting at 100 yards. If it's 0.1 minutes, then you're just you're literally just cutting bullet holes. But when they when they did that at 700 yards, the the increase that uh, they had at 80.7 percent. <laughs> so that means it only increased from the 70 percent at one minute to 80.7 percent at 0.1 minutes. So that's only a 10.7 percent increase in your likelihood of engaging that target at 700 yards. That's so that wild. testing, it, it is wild, man. You know, so don't don't chase, don't only chase your rifle's ability to get a tiny group. Now, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. You, you obviously go for it. But the more important variables are how, how much error are you going to put into it? And that goes back to trigger. How much error is your trigger causing? How, how, how does your barrel... How is your barrel affected by heat? Is it changing significantly the point of impact the more that you shoot it? If it is, that is going to be a greater cause of you missing at 700 yards than the fact that your rifle can shoot one minute or even half a minute. Um, and then most importantly, and Brian Lips can be quoted on this, you know, the, the by and large, the, the absolute, uh, well, his, his quote, I've got it right here, wind is the greatest, uncertainty in long-range shooting that that's a brian Litz quote so the man himself said really the most important factor is you being able to accurately judge the wind and the most common reason for a miss is the wind so you know i think 
is your rifle capable of, of shooting an inch consistently at 100 yards? Fantastic. You've got a great start. Now, you need to consider what is the quality of the barrel? How quick does it heat up? How is it responding on shot number six, shot number 10, shot number 15? Because that one-minute rifle is definitely going to be capable of engaging targets at 700 yards. But if the group gets worse the more you shoot it, six, seven, eight, ten shots, then that is, that's a killer. That's a game changer. You don't want that. So only chasing that one-minute thing or half-minute or whatever, I think that's a huge mistake. The, the barrel, the trigger, the human error, the wind, your ability to, to dope the wind and to gauge it accurately and, and dope it accurately, those things are absolutely significantly more important. Yeah, and we, we talked about this a little in the long-range podcast episode, episode number four. You, we were talking about my gun. You know, it, I, I do better than, than one MOA at 100 yards. We don't, I don't know exactly what, what it is, but it, it is under one. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, me trying to engage those targets at like 600 yards. And, you know, we definitely, it, we determined <laughs> that it was the pull and the trigger and that kind of stuff. But knowing that, you know, the weapon itself is, is only capable of, of this one thing, you know, it's this certain percentage. Trying to find something else, whether that is going custom and getting something that's, you know, half a minute versus one. You know, I mean, it, it's not a ton of, per, of percentage points difference. But that's still percentage points, not to give yourself more leeway. But I mean, you know, you know what I'm kind of trying to get at. You know, it, it does give you more room for error in the shooter or in the wind or in other variables that we have to take into account. So it's not the most important. But man, I mean, you definitely still want to try to do the best you can if you're going to try to engage a target. Oh, definitely. And don't think that I'm not saying that I don't chase the smallest group that I that I can. Um, I, I just think it. Yeah, yeah there, there's, you're there's messing other up. Stuff. You're looking at and when you're talking about the quality of your rig it's not just oh this can't this thing can shoot one minute i shot one minute with this well can you go can you stretch it out to 500 yards and shoot it 15 times and still say that you're shooting with minute of angle accuracy are you you know can you on that 10th shot at 500 yards are you still within a five inch circle that's that's a huge that's the huge thing that that you need to know and I think that's where those, um, you know, just at least that's how we started this conversation off. I was talking about Bull's Remington 700, fantastic hunting rifle. And he was absolutely engaging targets at 700 plus yards. However, once he had a few shots down the tube, he had to chill out because his barrel was heating up and he just couldn't do it anymore. He had to let it cool back down. So um, the, the quality of the components and you know, the size of your barrel, the quality of your trigger, all of those things are, are going to need to be considered at the same time as, as, as what your rifle's actual minute capability is. They, they stretched that same test, that same test that they did at 700. They stretched it out to 1,000, and they actually used a 20-inch circle, which would actually be a two-minute target um, at, at 1,000 yards. You know, 10 inches would be a one-minute target. They were using a two-minute target, a 20-inch circle at 1,000 yards, and they ran that test with they ran it with the one moa a 0.5 moa gun and a 0.1 moa gun and the difference was really even smaller there between the three so the one minute gun again had about a 70 percent hit rate 70.4 percent the half minute gun had a 74.2 percent so you only gained uh, what did you gain there you only gained 4.2 percent in a half-minute gun versus a one-minute gun at 1,000 yards. And then the .1-minute gun only shot 75.4%. So there was only an increase of just a little over 5% between a one-minute gun and a .1-minute gun. So that, that proves it again. The, the yep. group size is not as important as the other variables that go into play. The other things that are influencing... The, the capabilities of that gun, the barrel heating up, the shot placement changing because of how your barrel's responding, you pulling the trigger, uh, you flinching, do you have a high-caliber gun, and the more you shoot it, do you have a high-caliber light gun that you're trying to shoot at long range, and uh, that's going to cause you, the more you shoot it, you're probably going to flinch more, which is going to cause you to pull more and miss more, um, all of those things, and of course wind, again, wind is the greatest influencer of misses. So... I wanted to bring up one more thing, 
So we've been talking in general, more expensive is better. So looking back at episode number five, custom AR builds tips and tricks with Uncle Dan, Uncle D didn't always use the more expensive. You know, he, he picked some components that were, you know, more more budget friendly that he was super happy with. Um, so, you know, it's I, I guess it's that's your goals, what you like. You know, he, he's got a lot of experience building, so he, he knows what needs to be done to get these different things to line up right and, and work in combination. But anything you want to say kind of on that vein as well? Oh, well, definitely. Uncle, uh, so his game is absolutely not long range. Uh, his his game is close range, uh, lots of shots on target, a lot of personal defense kind of kind of approach. So he is not worried about any type of long range performance. And his point about the AR build was, you do not have to buy a two thousand dollar Daniel Defense to get a quality AR fifteen. But I, I could probably. Uh, you know, I could probably, I don't know because I've not tested this, but, but I would i would imagine the same theory is going to hold true. I know that I have taken, I can take my Daniel Defense and I can shoot 10 or 15 shots at Groundhogs at three and 400 yards and my point of impact isn't changing because of the components heating up and things going wonky. It's keeping its consistency. Uh, I would have to wonder if you could do that with lesser expensive components. So I think I think his point was, you can you can build a really good AR-15 that's going to function very well. It's going to feel really good. It's not going to feel cheap, and it's absolutely going to be able to to burn however many rounds you want through it without locking up on you. It's going to meet the purpose of of a of a close quarters or within a hundred yards kind of a, a firearm. Um, you know, he was not he was definitely not talking about building a long range AR. We should put that to the test, Wayne. Do you uh? A custom build, and you should compare that difference. See if you can you can do some some cheapo things and budget friendly, and see what that does. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, know. I don't know. I still wouldn't mind to have a. Uh, I wouldn't mind to have a three hundred blackout. That would be pretty nice. But spent an awfully lot of money this year, man. I'm trying to chill out just a little bit. I hear you. I hear you. So rounding it out, we've we've talked about tons of components. There's tons more we didn't talk about. You know, we didn't talk about the stock. You know, we haven't talked about the bolt yet. I mean, there's there's more more things you could keep keep digging down on. Anything else you want to say? Well, before we finish, I, you know, if we're trying to wrap it up, I can I can share my results between the Ruger Precision Rifle and the full custom. Yeah, go for it. And I guess that you know that's going to go into ma- the mass produced whatever Ruger's got going on. Of course, it's quality mass produced because what you know they're, they're you're you're buying a gun that's well made. It's heavy. Um, mine is in the 300 Win Mag, so it's really heavy. It does have a huge barrel on it. Uh, you know, I think I paid about 1700 for it when I got it, and um, I have definitely got the. It is a it is a tack driver. It 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 is a fantastic gun, and I've got my video up. It's doing pretty good uh, on YouTube uh, where I was successfully engaging a target at a mile with that Ruger Precision Rifle 300 Win Mag banging steel at a mile uh the the gun is is quality the gun is absolutely quality uh when i was doing load development on it i got my group down to consistently three quarters minute at 100 um and was getting some of those groups down at the half minute um so you know that, a lot of that's probably shooter error I, I i never shoot from a vice i'm always shooting just laying prone with some sandbags and a bipod. So, you know, the difference between a half minute and a three-quarter minute is, is probably all me on those different groups. So any, anyway, my point is I had repeated groups with that gun that, that were half minute, and uh, that's the load that I've went with, and now I've tested it many, many, many times out to 1,000 and 1,300 yards very, very successfully. Um, killed the deer at 910 with it. And now I've engaged targets successfully at a mile with it. So the Ruger Precision Rifle is legit. The thing to be tested was now I had this very, very expensive custom build in a 6.5. And I love it, for the record. It's, of course, obviously it's everything that I wanted because I chose everything that I wanted. But um, just to be 100% honest, I don't think that I've proven that you're getting much more 
I've not gained a more a more accurate rifle necessarily. I, I am I've shot it, I've shot several different loads that are getting me half minute, and then I've uh, I've so I'm getting half minute really easily, and this is the first rifle that I've ever had that I'm getting loads that are um, I think the last loads I posted some pictures on Instagram that I did about a month ago. I was repeating like quarter minute groups. I had groups that I was covering up with a dime. Um, I mean, it was, you, you, you couldn't tell, it just looked like big bullet hole, you know, basically instead of a group of multiple bullet holes. So I did gain a little with that, you know, so we'll say that I went from a, uh, a three quarter minute gun at worst in that Ruger precision rifle. to with that full custom gun, I've got a half minute gun at worst. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's. <laughs> You're you're splitting hairs there, man. You know, uh, so by and large, I did not gain a significant amount. Uh, now, I just because I have easily got it down to a quarter minute, I, I probably could continue to tweak it even further, and maybe I could get it just constantly punching bullet holes. But but I'd have to kind of feel like I could probably do that with my Ruger Precision Rifle too. Um, mm-hmm. Do some more, you know, long range tests on seating depth and primer choice and stuff like that. You know, I could, I've not done all that. You know, I got, I got it down to with both of those guns, you know, shooting half a minute or better. So I think that's, I think that's pretty sufficient for me. Um, so I think I've, I've shown, I'm, I'm going to do a video where I show them both side by side in the field and I'm going to shoot some groups at a thousand and I'm going to do some hit percentages and things like that. So that video will be coming hopefully before uh, hunting season gets here hopefully in the next month but you know the spoiler is there's not a there's just there's just not a difference in accuracy enough to make a difference and i you know i reference that that test that that precision rifle blog did again i I just think that it uh you know chasing chasing a anything better than a half minute or a quarter minute is is almost a waste of time uh what i did gain i'll tell you that rifle is everything that I would ever want. It's beautiful. There, every single piece of it is pure quality. Um, my gosh, I, I love to just sit there and look at it. To be honest with you, but that action is just as smooth as butter, and it's beautiful. The trigger is perfect. The scope's perfect. You know, so I did get. I got everything that I could ever want out of a rifle, including how it feels and how it looks, uh, and and it's insanely accurate. My Ruger Precision Rifle is uh it's ugly but it's well, really really freaking ugly is and, subjective ugly subjective it's it's a black beauty yeah yeah i mean i have no problem with it i, I won't be selling it anytime soon i can assure you so i mean that hey you know everybody's got opinions and i'm sure many people would disagree with me on on that because obviously the the custom rifle building game is a huge thing but um i just don't know that it's necessary I'm glad I bought my custom rifle. I had the opportunity, and I was able to do it, and I've got a fantastic freaking gun. But, man, I love my Ruger Precision Rifle, too. It, yeah. It, I have, I couldn't want more. Yeah, it would be hard to, 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 you know, seeing that article, you know, seeing that you might get, like, four percentage points more more accurate versus by going something like that, you know, is it worth it or not? And I guess that again, your goals and and you like it. I mean, it's, it's it's exactly what you wanted. So it it was worth it for you because you did something you've always wanted to do, and you it's the perfect gun for you. But you know, if you were debating between, you know, do you need to spend the money? You know, I, are the percentage points worth it to you or not? I guess. Yeah, that, that that's a good way to say it. I think at a base level, I would sum up my thoughts on this whole topic by saying if you're going to want in the long range game then regardless of whatever the price ends up being i would choose a rig that has a good quality heavier barrel something that allows you to have an adjustable trigger that is a good lightweight trigger and and it and it is tested and capable of shooting at least a minute so if you if you can do that and come in at 800 or a thousand bucks great but but you're if it's not going to be repeatable and if the barrel's going to heat up and the trigger's cruddy and you can't shoot it well then really it doesn't matter you know if you can hand it to your buddy and he can shoot five shots at a minute and then you get it and you try to shoot five shots and it's not a minute that's a problem 
you know, you need a rifle that's going to allow you to be able to shoot really, really well repeatedly. And that may come at different price points. So if you can do it at 800 bucks, awesome. But I think you're, you know, the more quality components you're going to buy, the greater the likelihood of, that you're going to experience good results with a good barrel, good trigger, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. It's good stuff. So now we just need, we just need the rain to finally just stop raining every single day so we can have more opportunities to go shoot and have some more fun. That's what we need. Gosh, I know, man. I've had, I've got between my 300 and my, and my 6.5, I've got probably 150 rounds loaded, ready to go shoot. And, uh, this rain is just killing the opportunities. I will say too, this is, this is worth noting. I read something online the other night, um, that a guy had wrote an article where he interviewed like the top 50 precision rifle series shooters in the nation and consistently over and over again uh, he asked them what what advice would you give the person that's getting into long range shooting and consistently over and over again by and large the biggest advice that those guys were given was get out and shoot your gun practice with your gun if you're sitting down and you're worrying about all the logistics and you're trying to, you, you know, you're sitting and you're spending hours and hours and hours trying to get down to a quarter minute, and you've already got a, a minute or a three-quarter minute rifle, and you're not practicing with it, then you, you're you're screwing yourself. The, the best thing is to get a quality rifle at whatever price point that ends up coming in at, and learning that rifle, and going out in the field and proving that it can do what you need it to do. And getting out and doing it and practicing is, is what's going to make you better. And it's it's what's going to you – know, you can speculate on all this stuff all day long, but it's, you know, really it's easy to get out and test it. Go shoot. Go see what your rifle does. You think your barrel's good. You might say, well, ah, my pencil barrel's fine. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Oh, well, go. Go go try it. Go engage a, a five-inch target at 500 yards with 15 shots and see how many times you hit it. Yeah. If you do good, awesome. You've got a great rig. If you don't do good, then you might have some things you need to consider and try to work on. I like it. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. We definitely we got to go get our guns and make sure everything's good before we go on our trip too. So that that's that's top of my book right now. But I definitely do want to try some some more long range shooting and try out your new guns. Haven't shot shot your new one, so I would love to get my hands on that just a little bit to see what it's like. Hopefully, this rain will will go away, man. I know. Go shoot. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Dwayne. This has been good. Good information. Yeah, man. Thanks, Zach. Enjoyable as always. All right. That does it for today. If you liked what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a review in your favorite podcast player. Hope you tune back in next week. God bless.